take your scriptures in hand and let us look at the book of Titus in the New Testament. And it's not one that you hear of often. The smallness of it by way of uh, being two chapters, three chapters, however, does not lessen its significance. Titus is after Second Timothy and right before Philemon. And I don't know how else to tell you how to get there except to tell you it's on page 1611 in this Bible. And while you find that uh, a little, little bit on the lighter side, Mother's Day, what my mother taught me under this, I read and I copied it, thought you might enjoy it. My mother taught me religion. When I spilled grape juice on the carpet, she instructed, you better pray that stain will come out of that carpet bowl. <laughs> my mother taught me logic. From her decisive words, she said, because I said so. That's why. Makes all the sense if mother's saying it. My mother taught me foresight. For example, make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. (laughs) Thank you, mom. (laughs) My mother taught me irony. She says, keep laughing and I'll give you something to cry about. (laughs) My mother taught me stamina. You'll sit there until all that spinach is finished. (laughs) Amen. My mother taught me about the weather. It looks like a tornado swept through your room, boy. My mother taught me the circle of life. I brought you in this world and bless God I can take you out. (laughs) My mother taught me about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. Anyhow, let's move right on that. Thank God for... My mother taught me envy. Envy. There are millions of less fortunate children, Mom said, in this world who don't have a wonderful mother like you do. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. Titus chapter 2, please. Verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. The King James says, speak the things which become sound doctrine. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and in patience. The older women likewise, that they may be they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, and that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Uh, Verse 6 talks to the young man. Look, if you will, back to verse 2. It talks to the older man. Look at verse 3. It talks to the older women. Verse 4 talks to the young women through the older women. Verse 6 talks to the young man. Verse 9 talks to the servants, bond servants, slaves, as the culture had that day. Paul writes Timothy, who is a pastor under his tutelage, Timothy... Uh, Pardon me, Titus. Paul writes Titus. Paul is the mentor. Titus is the junior pastor. And he says, tell your congregation to live right and act right. Why? Because look at verse 11. It's not in in, in the screen because I just didn't put it after the fact. Verse 11 in your Bible. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Say amen. Amen. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Paul says, Jesus is coming again, Titus. Tell your church and tell your mothers and your fathers and your grandmas and your grandpas and your young people and even your servants as a right way to live. And that way is to honor God. I'm only going to be able to help you if you ask God to help me. And he will. Stretch your hands in my way, would you? Would you give, give this prayer on my behalf so that it wouldn't be a difficult thing for you or for me to be in His presence and His Word? Come on and pray out loud. Father, I thank You this morning that You are my refreshing in my life. Come on, pray for me. God, I need the energy of the Holy Spirit. I need the unity of, of this body of believers. And I pray, O oh God, that You not only touch me, but touch them. Father, I pray, O oh God, on this Mother's Day that I would be uh, hid behind the cross. 
Because I know, Lord, that my speech is not eloquent. I know because I know me. I know my appearance may not be as comely as others, but that's who I am. And thank you for letting me be your servant and your representative. All of us here come short somehow or some way uh, of what others may consider perfection. But we want to please you today. So I pray that you would rivet our minds to your word. I know we've got places to go and things to do and people to see and celebration. But I pray that we've given you this time that we won't be nervous and fidgety and we won't be distracted. But you anoint us in Jesus' name. Amen? And amen it is. And you may be seated. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jesus. And Brother Stephen, just I don't want to be too loud out there. So you control that and, and I'm good here. Thank you for that. I feel like in today's being Mother's Day... And the need of families in America and households that we couldn't honor moms or women any better than looking at the word of God on this special day as it relates to some truths from the word of God that benefits everybody. I think you would agree with me when I say that Satan has pointed all of the artillery of hell at the home in America. Yeah. Think of think of Satan's artillery. His armor and his weapons that he's pointed to the families in America, the home. Things like immorality, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, abortion, militant feminism, domestic violence, abuse of alcohol and other substance, juvenile delinquency. Sexually transmitted diseases. These are all sins hatched in hell by the devil. And there are two things that they have in common. Number one, they are on the increase. These sins are on the increase. When you have time and you can read 2 Timothy chapter 3. It was a subject of Beth Moore's Bible study last Monday evening for the ladies. Tomorrow is your final evening of that. And Beth Moore does her teaching. I didn't see it, but I like to see it. About this verse that talks about the increase of wickedness. When the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In the last days perilous times shall come. Fierce times. And then, then Paul writing to Timothy enumerates the kind of perilous times. Not only is this kind of uh, thing on the increase. But it's aimed at destroying the family. Oh, I, I don't know of a culture, civilization... Has been more blessed than America. I, I don't know of a, of, of a nation or people that have more opportunities. Granted that not all of us are where we would like to be. But we have more opportunities and more blessings than any other nation in the whole world. And yet, we are in such moral decay. And such corruption until, as I told you last week, we could be compared to Sodom and Gomorrah. The days of Noah. But I, I got some good news. For you today. In spite of all the bad news. God has a plan. Can I get an amen? Amen. God has a plan on Mother's Day for everybody. Somebody says when all else fails. Read the directions. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now I have to confess. As one of the male gender. That I don't do very good. At reading the directions. The only reason things work at my house. And get assembled and function. Is because. My wife reads the directions. I, like so many other men, are macho and our ego won't let us read the directions. We'll be driving down the road 15 miles out of the way. We know we're lost and our wife knows we're lost. And when she confronts us with being lost, we'll say, we're trying a new route. Lost as a needle in a haystack. Don't shout me down, man. I'll get your day next month, but I'll move on right now. Don't go to, but the Bible says, read the directions. Now, in verse number one of this chapter of Titus 2, the Bible says, speak the things which becomes sound doctrine. The word become means beautifies. It literally means, ladies, have you ever had somebody say to you about your outfit, your dress or your your outfit, that it becomes you? You know, Americans are very bold. We all like them like you're Russians. You're Americans, you ought to say amen. We Americans are very bold. 
We don't mind telling people that their outfit becomes them, but we don't mind telling them it don't become you. Where'd you drag that from? See, somebody says your hairstyle becomes you or your, your clothing, your outfit becomes you. It means that it beautifies you. Can I get a witness now on that? Now verse 10 says, it uses the word adorn. And you might look at that verse 10 part B. That they may adorn the doctrine of our God, of God our Savior in all things. The Greek word for adorn gives us our English word cosmetics. And in this passage, Paul is saying to Titus to preach this word by saying, if you really want to be beautiful, not just outwardly, but inwardly, you need more than Mary Kay and Avon. Is that still a business? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can tell. Uh, yeah. If you want to live God's way and be blessed according to God's plan, you're going to need God's word. So, so for the few moments we have together, I want to look at things that adorn, that beautify, that become sound doctrine. And, and I want to look at four major thoughts here that, that Titus is instructed to teach when it comes to God's way for the woman. But it's a lesson for the man, the boys, the girls, and everybody. And so the first thing I look at is the mandate that is given to the woman. Teach the young woman, verse 4 says. Says to the older women to teach the younger women. There's no way around it, brothers and sisters. When the, what the young women of South Metro Ministry and our church family and our community, what they need to learn about Christian womanhood, they are not supposed to learn primarily from this pulpit or from this preacher. What the young women, the girls and the young ladies and the same for the young men and the, and the boys by way of the father. What they're supposed to learn. They'll get some of it here and they'll get some of it at the youth ministry. But their primary teacher should be their mothers and their fathers. And especially for a godly woman, she should teach the younger women, the Bible says. Our older women have a God-given responsibility to teach the younger women how to be good wives, good mothers, and good homemakers. The younger women also have a responsibility according to this passage. And that is to listen to the older women and to make themselves available to their wisdom. That's God's way and it works. Now, I have observed that there are other people out there teaching our girls, younger women and women. I have asked the question, who is teaching the younger Christian women of today? Who is shaping their family values? I'm afraid that in many cases, as some television personality type, many of them have not been very successful in the subject of marriage or family or money or morality, much less sound doctrine. I have occasionally looked at Oprah Winfrey and I have yet to hear sound doctrine from her. And I might add to the list that there's nothing... Moral and sound that I know of based in the Bible coming from Ellen or from Rosie or from Madonna or from the other gal who dresses almost naked and entertains millions whose name is Lady Gaga. Is that what it, what's it called? Am I right? All I know is I want a Lady Gag Gag. <laughs> you know, this is not your friendly generic type of service, okay? So, just know that if you came in here, your mother dragged you in here, and you got to listen to this, you ought to thank her before you leave. Yeah. I have yet to see the women of The View, Barbara Waters and the other kind, Walters, I have yet to see them teach sound doctrine and biblical morality and the fear of God. But that's where a lot of our girls and young ladies and even adult women are getting their lessons in morality. And that's not God's plan. Let me make the case. The world is sending all kinds of negative messages to our younger women. What do I mean? The world says, if you're not happy in your marriage, you're not satisfied with the old goat, just leave him. And you know what goat I'm talking about because you ain't got none tied up in your backyard. They know what I'm talking about. The world says, after all, you have a right to be happy. 
What we need in this church and in America is some older, more seasoned, mature women who've been married for some years to step up to the plate and say, you have the right to keep your commitment. You have the right to keep your marriage vow before God because it's not your love that sustains your commitment. It's your commitment that sustains your love. Give me a little help and I'll preach. But if you don't help me, I'll keep on preaching anyhow. Yeah. You know, we all with this up in the air about this stuff about if you just say I do, then everything's love just covers. Some, I, I counsel people, me premarital counseling. And I talk about where you going to get money. Oh, we don't have a plan yet, but we love each other. What are you going to do for a roof over your head? Well, we're working on that plan, but we love each other. Uh, what are you going to do about uh, the utility bills and the groceries and the gasoline for the car? And the, we love each other. I'll tell you something, friends. It's one thing to come up to the altar and exchange wedding bands and exchange vows and say, I love one another. But it's a whole lot of thing to live out in the real world. While love covers a whole lot of stuff, commitment covers more stuff. Because storms will blow in your marriage. You'll have bad days. You'll have arguments. You'll have fights, but if you're not committed to love one another, your house will crumble. Somebody needs to rise up and say, some older, more mature women, and say, we've had our share of problems too, young lady. Some, some more seasoned women who've been in the marriage a little longer say, we've had bigger problems than you have, and we have had heavier burdens than you have had. But the fact remains is that we stayed with our commitment and our covenant to love one another for better, for worse, in sickness or in health. And as a result, we are surviving and thriving. The world says, if the pregnancy is unplanned, then simply destroy the evidence. Some older, more mature, seasoned woman should come to the plate and say, the circumstances which surround a pregnancy, back off a little bit from this a little echo here. The circumstances which surround a pregnancy do not determine the value of the child. Some old, some, some woman should say to another young lady who's contemplating an abortion because the pregnancy took place in a lustful setting. The unplanned pregnancy took place in a moment of uncontrolled passion when both of them knew better. And now, because of that, uh, all of a sudden, they, they must, we must, since it was unplanned, it's okay to uh, destroy the evidence. You, you, know, you know what America has done? We've changed the names of some things in order to make it look like it's not so wrong. So we're not calling it a child in the womb. We're calling it a fetus. I'm a preaching little Indian in case you had never seen one, okay? So, so I want you to understand. I want you to understand that God forgives, okay? Please, I don't want to offend any woman or any girl young lady who might have had an abortion in the past, I want to tell you that if you did it and you knew it was wrong, but you asked God to forgive you, and God you've been sincere and repentant, God's going to forgive you and the male partner. Help me out here. Just because you carry that child. Sir, if you've been guilty of impregnating a young lady or somebody else, and you told them to have abortion, and you condoned it or paid for it, otherwise ignored it, you are just as wrong in the sight of God as she is who carried it. But God forgives everybody who is truly repentant. But you listen to me. You listen to me. It doesn't change the value of that child, whether that child was born in lust or planned pregnancy. I, I, I'm telling you the truth this morning. And what we need is less of the world's view and the Hollywood kind of lifestyle of trashing human life. And we need more godly men and godly mothers and godly fathers and godly grandparents to rise up and say, This is sound doctrine. This is the Word of God and He'll bless you if you obey His Word. Somebody ought to applaud the Lord. Now, a word of caution here. A, a word of advice. If your own house is not in order, you, you got some serious homework to do before you speak into somebody else's house. Yeah. If your own marriage is messed up and you have a fault there, then you got some homework to do. If your own kids are rebellious and disrespectful, you, you got some homework. You ain't got no business coming in no altar 
or nobody else calling him on the phone. If you call yourself a self-proclaimed prophetess or apostolist or pastoress or whatever you are. Same for you men. We got no business saying we got gifts of that and the other thing. What we got business doing is going home and getting our house in order. Hear this preacher. You listen to this preacher. If my house and my marriage is not in order and my children are not under the overseership and the guidance of, of their father in the way the Bible says, I need to take a sabbatical from this pulpit from whatever time it takes and go home and pray through and get my house in order. Then I get qualified to come and speak a word into somebody else's life. You all in here, Mary? <laughs> Oh, help me, Jesus. I can tell I'm digging this hole, but I, you, you've been with me before, Lord. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad enough. I just... The devil's stealing our families right under, uh, right from under our open eyes in broad daylight. And some of you don't even realize that you're giving your families over to the devil by ignoring it. Oh, help him. Her motive, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Why should you be a godly person? Why should you be a godly woman and a mother? A father and a son? That the word of God be not maligned or bring shame to the cause of God. You see, brothers and sisters, another translation says, All of us who are Christians should live in a way that honors the word of God. Please hear me. Every one of you, and, and myself included, especially me, because I'm, I'm the teacher. And to the teacher becomes a greater judgment. Can I hear? Can I get an amen here? But all of us are like billboards along the highway of life, if we are Christians, for other people to see the Christ we confess with our mouth. Every one of us, I don't care whether you're married or not married, whether you have children or not children, whether you're grandma or grandpa or parents, every one of us are supposed to live our lives in a way that we don't bring shame to the Word of God. Anybody heard me say amen? Amen. And and, uh, what I want you to understand is when the divorce rate in the church equals the divorce rate in the world... Something's wrong with that picture. The word of God is being maligned. We in the church tell people, come to the house of God, read the Bible. Jesus is the rock on which you should build your family and marriage. We in the church tell people, come and God will build your marriage if you'll serve Him. God will save your children. God will help you to have a strong and good marriage if you pray and you read your Bible and you confess your sins and you do right. But when we as the church go ahead and take the option of the world, help me here. When we as a church want to bail out of the marriage quicker than the world does. Come on and help me preach here. I'm not trying to be insensitive to people who are divorced. I know some of you had no choice and you went through bitter struggles. And you tried to the nth degree to keep from having a divorce. But other people have just said, you know what? I just think there's a lot of other fish in the sea. And I'll just give this one up and do something else. That's not God's plan. God's plan is for you to give your best and work your best and make your effort. So that the church and the house of God and the people of God are not embarrassed and put to shame. How awful it is when Christian people get drunk during the week and a Friday and Saturday night and show up in church on Sunday like they're still everything okay with God and they're they're a good example. That's a wrong testimony. The word of God's being put to shame. How awful it is when people pull up on their, on their computer, on the internet, pornography of all kind. How awful it is, and then they say their child, how awful it is when a mother cusses in front of her children, and a father cusses uh, his wife, and a wife cusses her husband. How awful it is when they, we allow our mouth and our, and our behavior, our action and our attitude to be a bad testimony. Let me tell you something. Oh, help me, Jesus. You all didn't bring no rotten natives with you today, did you? You might get a chance to use it. You notice this sermon is going to be like a tsunami. Uh, when, I'm in, when I'm preaching with something somebody likes, they'll get really high. And, 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 oh yeah, go after them, preacher. Sick them. And when I get to where they're living, it's going to get real quiet. But I've preached to some tsunamis before. So I'll... 
You know, when Kimberly and Jennifer lived at home, whenever they left the house and we were bringing them up, they represented Valerie and Alan Matura. Do you know that? Uh, and so, first they represented God. So we wanted them to hang with the right crowd, dress the right way, speak the right way, give honor to the adults, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and school teachers and coach and police officers. Because when they open their mouth, uh, while they look different, they represent the mature name. Yeah. You may work for Coca-Cola or IBM. Or you may work for Delta or United. Or you may work for, for some other company whose logo you wear on your sleeve or your pocket or your blazer. And your company will tell you if, if, if they want their company to thrive. They'll say, when you're out there doing your clocking hours and your working hours and you're wearing my a company's hat or logo on your sleeve, you are not just representing you. You are representing Coca-Cola, IBM, Delta, and they sign your check. And while you may not like the customer and you may not like the situation, guard what you say and guard how you say it because we sign your check. This week, my wife had an incident at school, and I'm going to be generic in this, and I didn't ask her permission to tell it, but I'll ask forgiveness later. <laughs> a certain adult from her school, representing her school, had to go to a business in the community for prearranged matter. And the person from the school representing Ruth Hill Elementary School and my wife, the principal, had an incident with that business that was very uh, unpleasant. There were words exchanged, there were feelings, there were attitudes. And my wife got a phone call from a customer at the business saying, the person from your school, Dr. Matura, has come to this business and made a scene and we think you need to know. So my wife said to, to that person on the other end, Thank you for calling. We regret it happened, but I will deal with it appropriately in its right timing. And so the person came back from the business through the school who represented the school. And my wife called this person aside in a private way. How I many know that's the first way to deal with it? Amen. And, and said, look, this is, I heard that there was an unpleasant situation and this happened and all. And, uh, and the person, my wife said this person she was addressing uh, from the school is not normally given to outbursts of anger or dissension. It's not her personality type, but she was mistreated at the business and therefore she felt she should defend herself. And, and the lady said, yeah, yes, I, uh, I, I did this. I, I did so and so on. And, but the reason I did, and my, my wife said, I understand. But something else I need to tell you that a customer even called. My wife said, when you, when you are out there in the name of Ruth Hill Elementary School, you're representing this school and my face, Dr. Valerie Matura. We're trying to bring up children and students here in this community, in this school, by our example. And so, while it's unpleasant, you've got to suck it up a little bit and, and then attend to it in an appropriate way. Now, now, I'm telling you all that to tell you that when you do it because Coca-Cola pays your paycheck. You do it because IBM pay your paycheck. You, you do it because you wear the logo of Delta or whomever else you work for. And, and I say to my children, when you're out there, you represent my face. and my, I'm telling you this morning that my life as a Christian should represent moral values and biblical values because my father has given me breath to breathe. My father has given me life. I represent my heavenly father. Everything I have, He gives me. And it ought to be a joy for me to behave properly to represent His kingdom. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. Help me here. Oh, blessed Jesus. Here's a third motive. Manner of life. Why should we listen and be an example because the Bible says that for a godly woman, live in such a way that becomes holiness. Be reverent in behavior. The word behavior here equals the word fragrance. And what Titus is saying to the older women and to all the women and the men is live so holy that even your life emanates a fragrance. Of holiness. Let me see if I can clarify it. 
the high priest in the Old Testament once a year would go into the Holy of Holies of the temple that only he could go into once a year. In the most sacred holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was to intercede and pray for the nation for God's forgiveness to them. And while they're in the, in the most holy place, he would burn incense of different fragrances to God. And those incense would go over through, through that holy place, most holy place, above the tent, into the sky, into the clouds, and symbolically into the nostrils of God. And those incense would be a sweet-smelling savor unto God, whereby God would be pleased with the incense, and in turn, turn and bless the high priest, and bless the nation. You know your worship this morning is, is like a fragrance to God? Can I get an amen here? And I know some of you went the extra mile and others of you may not have been involved in the worship. But when you were worshiping as the choir sings, I will rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Your worship was like you burning incense of, of sweet smelling fragrance to God. You know what folks? When it comes to worship, even if you make half an effort, it blesses you. When, you come, when it comes to rejoicing, if you made half an effort, it will bless you. Sometimes you come to church, you ought to fake rejoicing. I don't mind you laughing because we fake some other things too. Like for example, today we're going to go to Mother's Day and some uncle or aunt we don't like or sister or brother going to show up and we're going to fake like we're having a good time. Preach little man, I think I will. Yes. Even if you fake rejoicing in church, it's liable to get real if, you, if, you, if you, it turns over sincerely. I'm saying to you this morning that God says for a woman of God, there's an aura or a glow that comes from her. When the priest got through ministering in the temple in the holy place and he went back to the village later on that evening or the next day in his priestly garment, he would still have the smell, the fragrance of a man who was in a holy place and everybody around him would know this man is a man of God. Yeah, I know we wear symbols. We wear wristbands that say, what would Jesus do, WWJD? We wear crosses and the, the sign of a fish for represent our Christianity. I want to tell you the truth about some Christians. If they didn't have that, we would know they were one. Oh, God help me. I tell you, I don't mind a lot of people telling folks they go to South Metro Ministries, but a few folks who come here, I don't want them telling them to come to this church. And if they do, I hope they forget who their pastor is because... Oh, God, help me. That's not the way it ought to be. The Bible says, a man of life, not false accusers. Uh, for, for men and women, they must stop slander. Literally, they must not gossip. We got a testimony, somebody. Hit me when I tell you, there are more ways to gossip now than they've ever been in technology. You can gossip on the text. You can gossip on the te- uh, phone by texting. You can gossip by email. You can gossip by fax. You can gossip by phone. You can gossip by male and female and U.S. mail. There's all kinds of ways to gossip. And the Bible says, just do not gossip. If you don't have the facts, don't let your air be a garbage can for somebody else's gossip. I wish somebody would say, praise the Lord. Let me tell you something. If somebody comes to you with garbage and they don't have the fact, you need to say, let's stop right now and say a word of prayer. And it'll shut them off just like that, if it's not based in fact. We, you and I, are to look out for one another. I wish somebody would say amen. You and I are to guard each other and guard the church and guard our families and guard our testimonies. The manner of life that God calls us to. Not much wine. Well, it was quiet before. Now it's going to get quieter. And I can just see somebody thinking, well, you see there? Moderation. I can, I can be in moderation. And what Paul is saying to Titus is tell the women and the men, don't be a slave to alcohol. But I'm going to tell you as a pastor of 25 years and being a 53-year-old man, having had some seasoning and experiences in my life, having counseled untold numbers of people individually and couples, having spent numerous hours in counseling, I'm going to tell you this. A mother should be a total abstainer of alcohol. It has some medicinal values. I know that. But the Bible says the best way to treat this thing of alcohol is just completely stay away from it. Listen to me now. 
The wisest man who ever lived in the Old Testament was Solomon. And he was the richest man we know anything about. He could throw a party. He could pay for the party. And he could bring out the finest wines and alcoholic beverages. And he said, don't even look at it. Don't even look at it. You see, I tell you this because alcoholism is the leading, third leading medical problem in the United States. Heart disease, cancer, alcoholism. I tell you this because every year over 40,000 people die on the highways in America because of drunken driving. I can't tell you about the numerous others that are maimed for the rest of their life because of alcohol. I tell you this because alcohol is a factor in over half of the murders committed in this country. Alcohol is a factor in over one-fourth of the suicides. And a majority of divorces in America take place because of the problem of alcohol. Two weeks ago, not quite two weeks, Friday night, a week ago, on ABC 2020, their whole hour was given to women and especially mothers who consume alcohol as mothers of small children otherwise. Wine and alcoholic, they hide it in coffee cups. They hide it in mugs. They hide it in, in the in-between part of this front seat where they have a little storage chamber. They drink after they drop the kids off to school. Some of them drink before they take the kids. Anybody here in this preacher here? Now, now listen, understand and listen to me, okay? I'm not telling you that if you take a little bit of a little bit of wine with your meal or something that you're going to go to hell. But what I am telling you is because of what it does by way of our testimony, but by way of what it does to our children, by way of what they see and what the example they see and how that you might be able to do it in moderation. But their chemistry, their DNA, their genes may want more until it makes them a raving maniac. I'm telling you by way of simply protecting them and others and your testimony. I I am one who teach and preach total abstinence. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. Now, I'm I'm not about ready to come to your refrigerator today and look and see what you got in there. Today is Mother's Day, but I will be there tomorrow. Got some time tomorrow. And when I come making my pastoral visit, I don't want to sit on your couch while you go to the fridge and get me something to drink. No, I want to serve myself and open up them stainless steel fridge door and see. Yeah. I'm not about to do that. Okay. I ain't got time to mind your business and mine. But I'm telling you, as pastor and shepherd, not just women, men also. Let me tell you something. I've, I've never consumed alcoholic beverage of any kind. I grew up in the church. And you know what? I've had opportunities that if I wanted to, I could. Just like all of us. Uh, we, we went on a cruise back in 2006 on the rivers of, of Europe and some, some, some of the ways from the Netherlands and Germany and etc. Uh, a beautiful, wonderful cruise given to us by the church in 2006 on our 20th anniversary as pastor. And uh, it was an all-inclusive cruise. Everything, food, everything, all-inclusive. You you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you all say, yeah, you all went on them too. Yeah, (laughs) you know? And and every evening we would would dine with uh, a table of people, sometimes the same, sometimes different. And folks were having wine and other alcoholic beverage. And and, uh, we'd say, no, no, we... And uh, two or three times, folks observing, you, you don't... You don't uh, partake. And we'll just have a iced tea or Diet Coke or Coke. Or one particular meal, uh, we were sitting at a table with a, a retired neurosurgeon from Florida. A very fine couple. And, and it was the last evening, I think, of the cruise. And he was buying the wine. I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. If anybody got money, I think them surgeons got some money. <laughs> they don't just go deep in here. I think they go there anyhow. Just pocketbook, you know. I'm just, just, just uh, deep in the... And he was going to buy a little bit finer village, whatever that means. Uh, uh, Reverend, wouldn't you? <laughs> no. You know? 
Woodrow Wilson, especially in the United States, would often would always turn his cup upside down, his his wine glass upside down, while they were serving wine at whatever reception or guest or whatever. Because Paul is saying, don't even give room to the devil. <laughs> oh, I cannot. I want to go ahead, but the noise is. I'm distracted by the noise. I think I will come today instead of tomorrow to your house. Okay. What, what, is, what is the message we send? And, and I'm going to see if I can wrap it up with this. Okay. What, what, is, what is the me- Just keep it on the light side here for just a minute. Sometimes you've got to put in some stuff along the way, you know. The, the one guy says about his house. If the, if the stove in my house was as hot as the television, a man could get a few hot meals around here. The, uh, on the light side, because I need it. Uh, the, after the honeymoon, the newlyweds come back to the house and apartment, and she fixes the first meal, and she says to her hubby, she says, I'm not a very great cook, but I'm learning. And all I know how to fix is meatloaf and banana pudding. And he says, okay, that's all right. And she sets it before him, and he says to her, that's okay, honey, that's okay. Just tell me which one is which. <laughs> My friend told me this one this morning. He said, uh, listening to a preacher on the way to church earlier this morning, a preacher was telling about moms, and, and somebody asked the mom who raised three children, you know, three children. If you had to do it all over again, would you, would you raise uh, three children again? And she said, yes, but not the same three I have now. <laughs> the older women ought to teach the younger women to love their husbands. Can I get an amen here? Amen. Now you listen to me and understand that I, I know, ladies, that because the way Satan works and the flesh works, that sometimes that's very hard to do. And yet the Bible says, if you love your husbands, everybody look right here. She was just talking about somebody else. <laughs> It'll be your turn next month, Carlisle. Don't worry. I need an Olivia to preach with me every week. Every week, I, I, Olivia, I'm going to move you up right in the front, lady, because I need somebody to encourage me on. But the truth of the matter is that sometimes it's, it's hard to love your spouse because of the work of the flesh. Isn't that the truth? You know, and sometimes you have to do it as unto God. Give me an amen here, somebody. Women have been cursed at and abused and physically beaten by men. Women have been exploited and, 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 and they've stayed in marriages. And let me, let me say this to you as a pastor. Men, it's never right. You don't, it's never right because you're masculine, because you're stronger for you to beat up on a woman or a girl or an older, a, a, a senior adult. It's never right. Never right. God can never bless you when you're, when there's the domestic violence. It's alright for you to clap there because it's the truth. And I'm saying to you wives and, and women, do not stay in a situation where you're being battered and beaten and bruised and suffering damage to your body because that's not God's plan. Get away and get safe. I'm not saying go ahead and divorce them the first thing, but get away from that danger. It's never right. But the Bible says to the woman who loves their husband and honors God, you are being an example to your children and you're doing the right thing. And God's going to one day God might even win him if he's lost through your love. The Bible says the message should be love your children. Teach fathers and mothers to love their children. And let me say this about loving your children. It does not exclude the fact that they must be disciplined. Say amen. Loving your children doesn't mean that you let them throw a fit and a temper tantrum and have their way and give them the candy and give them the the movies and give them the credit card and give them the key for the car when they're too young. Loving your children oftentimes means saying no and saying it love and mean it. If you don't discipline your children, they become a ward of the state or they become having housed in some kind of penitentiary or some jail or hang out on drugs or alcohol or the wrong crowd. The Bible said, if you spare the rod, you'll spoil the child. And we in America have done a good job spoiling kids. Some of you are still mothering your 40-year-old son who ought to go out and get a job. Look at me. Listen to me here, everybody. I'm preaching to all of us here. Some of, you, some of you mothers ought to quit mothering your, your, your 35-year-old daughter and tell her she should get a life and go out and get a job. Discipline your children. 
You tell them to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am. You tell them that even though that's their grandmother and their grandfather who spoil them and give them candy, that they must respect them. Discipline your children. Teach them the right way. When they're old, they will not depart from it. I can say more there, but I can tell you. Help me, Jesus. Love your children. Guard their life. Thank God for the mothers, plural of Moses. Moses' mothers loved him so much that even though culture wanted him killed, the Pharaoh said about all the children of the Israelites born in Egypt because the Israelite population was becoming so large, kill every male child, throw them and drown them in the Nile River. But Moses' mother, Jochebed, said, No, that's my son. I love my child and I love life. And God gave him another mother, the daughter of Pharaoh. And she loved him too. Love your children. Let let me move on. Be self-controlled. There are some women and girls out there that can curse worse than sailors. That is wrong. Anybody hearing me? They can tell nasty jokes. let, Let me tell you something. This is a sick America we're living in. Girls gone wild are videos that can be purchased out there by lustful, nasty men. And women, girls who go down on spring break, college, and they have a few too many to drink, and they expose their body, and are covered by videotapes and all kinds of cameras, and wonder why later on in life, five years down the road, when they go to try to get a job, it shows up all over YouTube. Be controlled and self-controlled. You, you listen to me. I, if this is my last sermon I preach, I'm doing the will of God. I'm trying to protect your family. I'm trying to protect you. Some of you parents are contributing to the delinquency of your daughter and your son. And you're going to have help them have a child outside of marriage and wonder why it happened. It's because you did not put them in the right context of self-control. I'm not running for president or dog catcher, so I'll preach. Be pure. Paul's instruction to the women... Through Timothy and Titus says, don't let their attire be one of too many braided ears, hair, and too much, too much, uh, too much earrings and jewelry and gold and adornment of the flesh. You know why he was saying that? Not because he hated women. He was saying that because the culture of Ephesus and other towns were cultures given over to other religions that had prostitutes in the temple. The worshippers of Baal, B-A-A-L. And other gods, heathen gods, would go to the temple and the men, an act of worship, they would call it, would get the services of temple prostitutes who would dress with gold and braided hair and, and kind of clothing and attire that draw attention to their body and their flesh, all in the name of God. And Paul says, women and young women, dress modestly, dress cleanly, dress in a nice way so that you don't look like a temple prostitute and somebody approach you to get what they want for the flesh. That's good preaching. I'm not mad at anybody, but summer's coming. And when summer comes, I mean, we know summer's coming. Come February, we get a warm day and people start taking off their clothes. <laughs> and let me tell you something. We don't have a dress code here about you got to come in a suit and a tie and a coat. We don't have a dress code where you got to wear Calvin Klein or any kind of other. Out. You, you come and worship God with the, with what you, the best you got. Okay? Whatever you got. If that's what you can come in, you come in that. But, but you come in here covered up. <laughs> I'm, just talking to the, I'm not just talking to the ladies, okay? I'm talking to, to everybody else. Okay? Guys, we're not interested in seeing your belly button with a fat belly and a gold chain hanging down halfway and your chest hair showing while we're worshiping God. Thank you. I will. Walking around wiggling your belly for everybody to see when you need to go to the gym and work out. It's good enough for me too. I'm starting my diet tomorrow. I don't mind you laughing a little bit, you get the point. The point is be pure. I used to handle Jennifer and Kimberly. Dressing right and modestly, leaving the house. 
I, I used to, because they're young ladies, and of course they're married and have their own family now, and they don't know it, but I call their husbands every Saturday night and make sure they're close. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> it was me and you got it going, buddy. Uh, but, you know, the girls want to look good. I mean, they, they, wanna, they, they want to be comely and look nice. But sometimes you can go too far, ladies. You got grandmas who need to be teaching young people, and they're trying to be teenagers. You got a few Bible teachers, lady Bible teachers on TV. <laughs> While I'm shucking the corn, I might as well get the whole stalk. You know, I won't have impure thoughts to Jennifer and Kimberly as my daughters. I, I, I want to protect them and love them. And, and neither will Edward and J.C. because now that's their spouse. But do you know that not, everybody, not every male person out there has pure thoughts? And all, all the devil needs is an open door. Some guy sicko looked at something on the TV last night or in a private context of the Internet. Got all this testosterone flowing because of nasty images. And your daughter or your wife leaves a little bit not too much as clad as maybe should be. In. And some, some perverted mind triggers. Give no place to the devil. Give no, oh, the Lord is helping me this morning. I, I am broken and troubled because we think I'm preaching to everybody else and not your family. It always happens that way. And so I have a couple of final thoughts. And, and the Bible says be busy at home. Be homemakers, ladies. Paul was never against a woman working outside the house. And, and our culture oftentimes dictated because of the cost of living, all right? But you know what, ladies? If you have the capacity to raise your children at home and you stay at home, be a stay-at-home mom, God bless you and you should do it. If that works for your family. But Paul says, don't just sit there and look at soap operas and all kind of TV shows and movies and Talk on the phone all day while the clothes pile up from three years. I know that she ain't in church today. I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. Yeah. All this helps. You know, the dishes in the, in the sink from a week ago. I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth. You know, you know what I found out in my, in my family? If I want... Folded clothes and clean clothes, and sometimes I got to put it on in the wash and turn it on and uh, dry it and fold it. Yeah, help out, help out, work. Uh, you, you man, who even if you have wives at home and raising children, they they might need you to come home and help a little bit too. Be kind. That's what I was just doing. <laughs> Be subject to your husbands. I talked about that. Because God's way for the women, men, boys and girls is the best way. Would you stand, please? I mean, everything's all right with the Lord. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Give the Lord a praise. Okay, I'm going to turn you loose in a moment. Have you got anything on your mind? Just the first thing that comes to your mind that you know God's done for you. Can you thank him for it by lifting your hands and raising your voice for 30 seconds? And then every other thing to come after that. Thank you, God. Go ahead. Thank you, God. Thank you for my mother. Maybe she's gone on. Thank you for my dad. Maybe he's gone on. Thank you, God, for the Bible. Thank you for the church. Thank you that I have a roof over my head. I got clothes to put on. I got a car to drive. I got a house to live in. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the Bible, the instruction book, the road map. Thank you for, for the truth of the Word of God that sometimes might agitate me and get me all kind of frivoled up and riled up. But if I let it get in my mind, the Word of God will cleanse me and teach me and help me. I praise you for it. Thank you, Jesus. I, I want us to, you may put your hands down for a moment. I want to have this closing prayer in this context. If you would say, by looking into the mirror of the Word of God that I preached and proclaimed, if you would say like me, 
And sometimes my, I don't listen to the mandate too well of the Word of God. Sometimes I'd rather somebody else teach my home or my children or say what I should to my kids. And I don't always keep the mandate. I, I can do better. Maybe, maybe sometimes our motive, our motive, I've got to examine my motive. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is, is my mate supposed to be my servant or my slave? Or am I to be, we to coexist together and serve one another unselfishly? What is the motive for which I do what I do? Uh, my manner of life, am I living pure? Am I living clean? Is my speech clean? Is uh, what I let in my eyes and my head and my, my conduct, whether at church or elsewhere? Uh, my manner of life, is it a billboard so all the world could say, he's been in the presence of God? What message am I sending? And for a moment, bow your heads. Pastor, on this Mother's Day, my mother's done a good job, but now I'm an adult or young adult. And I have gone away from Scripture. And I need the Lord back in my life today as my Savior. I need to come back, not just to my father's and mother's house in love and apology, but I need to come back to my heavenly father's house like I am today. I've been sitting in his presence and standing in his presence. And he's done all these things for me. But, but I've not been a good son or daughter of the king. And pastor, when you pray today, would you pray that I would come back to the Lord? Or pray that I would rededicate my life? If that's you, hold your hand up just a moment. Thank you. Hold it, hold it up just a moment. I see two hands. Will there be others? Hold it up just a moment. I'll give you about 10 more seconds. Don't, don't, it's just between you and God. I see three and four and five and six. Somebody say amen. Seven. Amen. Okay, put them down. Those of you that held them up, put them down just a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every Christian breathing a prayer. Every Christian think a prayer in your mind. Ask God to help the pastor and the Christians and the non-believers. Pastor Allen, I can't. I've tried. I've raised my hands before and I went and messed up again. But God helping me. I didn't raise my hand earlier. But if God will help me again, I will try harder. I need Jesus. My mother taught me right. My dad taught me right. And there's stuff in my life that if I die today, I wouldn't go to heaven. And my mom and dad can't take me. i got to go on my own. I didn't raise my hand a moment ago. And pastor, I want to raise it now. If you didn't raise it a moment ago, raise it now. Hold it up. Just a moment. Hold it up. Hold it up. There's one more. Two, three. Hold it up. I'm seeing it. Four, five, six. Thank you. One more. And one more moment of this. Thank you, Jesus. Put them down. Everybody repeat this prayer. Everybody in the church, repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for another chance to get my soul and my life under the covering and the blood of Jesus. I confess I have known what is right, but I've done wrong. Forgive me. Forgive me of all the sins that I remember and the ones I've forgotten. Forgive me of the ones I did deliberately. And forgive me of the ones I did but didn't realize it. Come into my heart, Jesus. Make me a better son. Make me a better daughter. Make me a better mother. A better father. Whatever description that is for you. Make me a better person, Lord. Come everybody, lift your hands to Jesus with me. Come on, come on, let's go deeper. Today, Lord, I'm not just doing it because it looks nice. I'm not just doing it to impress those around me. I'm doing it because it's right. Make me a new creation. I give you my life. You've given your life for me. I receive that gift. And by faith, I am saved. I confess Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Put your hands together and give Him thanks. Amen. Come on, help me give the Lord some thanks. Oh, blessed be the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. If you raise your hands, this is not to, we're going we're gonna to come up with a better way. We'll even put them in the cards of the pew rack. We don't have them there. If you raise your hands, we have a commitment card that we want you to fill out. Before you leave, come to the front here or even go to the back and there'll be one available. Leave it with us. I'll put it in this prayer box. But before I do, I'll write you and thank you for making the decision. Please hear me. You know why we ask you to do this? Is because you can't make it on your own even after you raise your hands. You got to have prayer. You got to read your Bible. You got to pray. You got to get baptized in water. You got to come to the body of Christ and worship with other people. We got to have each other. And we'll, you, this is not membership. 
And we're not taking a dress so we can hassle you with stuff. What we're saying is, if you've made the commitment, why not let somebody pray for you and encourage you? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Well, well, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You look wonderful. I hope everybody's fine. I hope, you know, the plane landed safely and nobody got hurt. And now you can go and love on your mom and bless her and and just, you know, just go ahead and enjoy the day. Everybody know that God is good. One more time, give the Lord thanks. Bless you. Go your way. Be blessed.